Hello, and welcome to Squad Space, where we learn about Web3 together. This is Mackie, and here at Squad Space, my co-host Forrest and I do weekly Twitter space interviews with founders, creators, and other interesting folks from the world of crypto and NFTs. You can listen live, typically on Tuesdays, by looking up the hashtag Squad Space or following myself and Forrest on Twitter. In this episode, we interview Chris Torres, the creator of Neoncat. We discuss how Chris has blossomed in Web3, the secret sauce of a viral meme, and we even hear directly from some fans about what Neoncat means to them. And with no further ado, we'll jump right into it. How are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty good. There's like a Twitter problem right now that there's like all these bots that are impersonating me, which is really annoying. I'm trying to get that taken care of. On top of that, I'm like planning a party for Thursday and all these other things. So busy, but good slash I wish Twitter would get a hold of its bot problem because it's pretty bad. It's not a good look. Ah, it's the worst. I feel like I want to get off Twitter half the time because of it i get tagged in so many fake giveaways like all these like sketchy phishing links i'm for sure gonna get tagged in some neon neon cat giveaway tomorrow but I definitely <laughs> definitely watch out for those because it's so obvious because my name is pretty flashy out there but they like copy everything and i'm getting reports from lots of friends going hey is this legit i'm like no don't click it so it's a work in progress. Anyways, trying to move past all that to, to a better day for sure. I think we're getting there. Yeah. yeah, I see the bot shaving happening on people's followers the past week or two, and things are changing. We'll see if, if the whole Elon thing goes through, if he actually <laughs> sticks to his word. That's the only thing that I'm thankful for in that. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I guess we'll see for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's become such a big issue. It's not just me that's being affected, like lots of big. Twitter people are also tweeting the same thing. So hopefully Twitter gets on top of that because it's a big thing in the space and it just sucks to, just to see it happen. It does. No, I've been almost scammed. I was editing a podcast episode the other day and we talk about someone being paranoid that they were getting scammed and you miss out on stuff because of that. You also get taken advantage of because of that. And obviously that's the main problem, but there are certainly other adjacent ones you know what just happened to me i bought an nft on OpenSea, and i put in a collection offer because i just wanted to get any of it i, I like them all wanted to be part of the community so i wanted to grab one a little bit below the floor if i could so i put a collection offer it goes through i get it i'm like okay sick really happy with the piece and then today i go look at it again and it says that i can't sell it because apparently it's a stolen NFT. Oh, you got the classic hit. Uh, and it's never happened to me before. And that's just, just so frustrating because it wasn't cheap. It was like 0.3 ETH, which, you know, to some of the ballers out there might be pretty cheap. But for me, it's not. I never even thought about that. I never even thought it was a possibility. And I guess it's good, but it just it just sucks because it happened after the fact like they should be blacklisting addresses i don't know but it just frustrating there's not an easy solution to that one yeah i know that there's like a whole like drive against that because you're right that that does suck especially if you're the buyer after the fact like you didn't know that was happening i i know i, I know that's also a common thing that OpenSea is dealing with so that that sucks that happened but let's say just keep sending tickets to OpenSea. hopefully eventually they'll figure it out but it is what it is i'm sorry that happened though that's so scummy i like stuff like that in this space oh well but the good news is that we're joined by Chris, PR Guitar Man. I need to ask you about that name, but you know what? We're just super happy to have you here, even though you're going through a bot crisis of your own, trying to f plan amazing parties for I don't know <laughs> yeah. who. But yeah, More, man. Yeah. Mean, thank oh, you no, so yeah, much. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, let's turn the tides, make things a little, you know, more positive. Uh, yeah, no, I'm down to answer all those questions, including the origins of my screen name. I'm, a, I'm an open book in this space. I love the idea of transparency. Oh. Yeah, I'm totally down to rock it out. So how are you guys, by the way? Yeah, we're good. And we're ready to hop in. We love that you're transparent and love to, to share your story. And that's really what we're here to do is to hear about creators like yourself and hopefully to learn a thing or two. So we could hop right in and why don't you tell us a little bit about your crypto journey? When did you get in and what has kept you around for so long? Yeah, sure. I guess if you flashback back to, I guess, two years ago, almost, it was running really high, Dogecoin was doing its thing. That's really the origin time for when I hopped into it, just literally like the meme stocks of it all. But then I had a really good friend that introduced me to an article talking about how digital artists are making like name for themselves in the web in you know, this place called web three. And I was like, what's at first I thought it was a scam. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why this is happening. But then I started reading into it and I was like, okay, this is actually cool. Like being an artist, I've been an artist for over 20 years now. And I've just like the idea of somebody getting royalties off artwork like that just seemed totally different and new to me. So I minted my first piece on foundation back in February and in the Texas snowpocalypse, as they call it, where the power was going out, everything was just going wrong. But it ended up being one of the like the most life changing moments of my life. And from there, I started diving a little deeper into everything. And yeah, that's why I'm here. Mostly, mostly just because like, in Web2, artists aren't really treated in the same way that they are in Web3, where everybody likes to take advantage of people with licensing stuff like that but web3 you can be your own boss you can start your own collections you just be your own driver of artwork in the space so that was like a major factor of me just coming here and staying here just the fact that you can just be an artist and get as creative as you want so yeah that's the gist of why i'm here i have a kind of a curveball question i was thinking earlier about this friend who is very talented. She's a wonderful artist, but she has no sense of Web3 besides that her friend, me, is probably way too deep into it. How do you have you ever onboarded another artist? I have. Yeah, I have actually like passively in a way where whenever the original Neancat NFT sold, it actually did usher in like thousands of people into this space. I have heard lots of stories about how they how people found out about NFTs just because of Yancat. That sale happened. It was like on the front page of the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Forbes. It was a huge deal, which was still so surreal to me. But I keep hearing stories about people joining the NFT space around the same time that my NFTs sold. So I, I want to say that I may have passively influenced a lot of people to get here just by just being an artist, which is awesome. And on top of that, I've absolutely been trying to get friends to join the NFT space. However, that mixed bag because a lot of my friends also don't understand what's going on. And that's fine. I hope that they'll figure it out eventually. But yeah, I'm constantly like trying to like help as many people as I know out in this space. I sometimes help people more than I help myself. So yeah, I've absolutely, I've absolutely dived in every single level of trying to onboard somebody into this space. And overall, I think it's been pretty good. I've got lots of like friends that have joined and started their own collections. So yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah, I really want to figure out how to get her in because I think she'd excel. I really do. And she's a musician too, so she's multifaceted. I think that kind of just generates its own content. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially with music NFTs in general. I know music NFTs and photography NFTs are still very undervalued in this space. But those that are here doing it are making names for themselves like they couldn't before. So kudos to them. I always suggest trying Manifold. That's like a super easy way to make a contract and everything. Hopefully your friend looks into it and hopefully figures it out. Yeah, I think I'll butter her up soon. She's in Korea right now, but she'll be back soon. So, I mean, art is super important to me. Art is super important to you, to Forrest, probably to a lot of people in the audience right now even. I mean, we're all in this space for a multitude of reasons, but you seem very passionate about it. You said you've been doing it for 20 years. So why do you make art? What, what keeps you motivated to keep coming back and churning out new stuff? Yeah, art always has been like an emotional thing for me. People don't really realize that behind every single Neon Cat that I've ever created has been like, weeks of me like 
in turmoil trying to figure out the perfect pixels, like the perfect placement of things. And on top of that, I sometimes I go through stuff and then that kind of gets me in a place where like I would rather make art to get it out of my mind. It's been a whole journey for me, even before NFTs. I used to actually run a webcomic series that I only did whenever I was like just feeling stressed or something crazy was going on in my life and I had no other way to express it. Art has always been a very expressive medium for me to just create. And sometimes as I'm putting the brush down, I'm just like putting all my anger or sadness or whatever into each stroke. It, it, it works out. It, it definitely helps with the stress and stuff. But overall, it's just, I don't know, it's just fun to make art. Like it's, I've always been an artist. I remember being in grade school and just drawing out every single paper that I could find and getting in trouble by the teacher. It's just kind of like a habit to me for me at this point. And yeah, I'm just, just trying to always think of different creative things to do. I think that it's definitely a lot of fun to make art and especially your art. It looks like you have a lot of fun making it. Even if you're getting out some of that anger or different types of emotions that you kind of mentioned. But I was curious, like, what was the inspiration behind the original Nyan Cat? Because when I see that, I don't see someone expressing anger. I see someone really exploring their creativity, having fun and just making cool pixel art. Oh, yeah, of course. The original definitely wasn't a place of goodness, for sure. And I feel like that translated really well to the artwork that was actually such a random occurrence in just every aspect of everything like in the building of it it was 2001 and there were like a lot of natural disasters happening at the time like all over the world and typhoons and stuff and i was doing a week-long thing on live stream which was like before twitch and i was like hey if anybody just ask me what you want me to draw and i'll draw it for you so I was just taking requests and I was like, hey, if you want to tip me, that's great. If not, whatever. I'm just having fun making art. I think I made like $100 that week, which I donated all to the American Red Cross. It was a lot of money for me at the time. And during one of those sessions, it was like a packed room and everybody was giving ide like different ideas and subjects to draw. And I literally just took all the different suggestions and I rolled it all up and I drew a really, really doodly picture of what ended up being the pixelated Yancat that everybody knows today. And it was just like so squiggly and doodly, but everybody in the chat room loved it. And when I went to bed that night, I was like, you know what, this is actually, I don't know, something's a little different about this. Something's kind of unique. So yeah, I went downstairs and I pulled up my like pixel creation program which is like this really old program called, it used to be called Macromedia Fireworks. And now it's owned by Adobe, but it's, I don't, I don't recommend people getting it because it's such a bad program. But yeah, I spent like the whole night creating the original image and that's really how it happened. And I posted it on Twitter. Fun fact about part of all of this is that at the time, Twitter used to allow animated profile pictures, which is what I got rocking on right now. And I wanted, I, part of the whole feel was for me to make an animated profile picture. And that, yeah, it was just like a whole series of random events that just mashed up perfectly. And we, and I know at the time, like memes were starting to gain full force. Like I know that Rebecca Black's Friday was just like a huge hit at the time. And like a lot of the original OG memes, like the ones were just like a picture of a duck or something with like top text and bottom text they were gaining momentum. So I came in at a time where memes were starting to be looked at a little more seriously. So I think I just, I got in at the, like, the right place, right time with the right ideas and things just exploded from there. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, Scott. So I told Chris this story a little bit via DM, but so early on in the NK, public history at least, I had a friend who could knit really well and she knitted me a gray Nyan Cat hat. And I made this big cardboard cutout Pop-Tart and I wore a pride flag and had my face painted with rosy cheeks for Halloween. And I went to the bar looking absolutely ridiculous and not a soul knew who I was. Everyone's like, what are you supposed to be? And That's I've had so that funny. curse. 
I've had that curse for Halloween costumes for a long, long time. So hopefully I was just ahead of the curve, but oh my God, it was, it was something else, man. It was something else. Yeah. It does sound like you're ahead of the curve, especially if people don't understand what's going on, but I love that. Like I I would love to see a photo if you ever like decide to share that. Cause like, Oh, I would have to find no clue who would have one. Oh, God, I hope so. I know that homemade Nyan Cat costumes were like really, really huge. And I think they still are. Cause like, Around Halloween, I get lots of emails and tweets of people like dressing up their kids or their dogs or their cats, like any living creature under the sun as Nyan Cat. <laughs> and it's always so fun. Just It's just so fun to see all the creativity that like people put out there. What does it feel like to inspire that kind of creativity? Because it's a trickle down effect, right? It breeds itself almost. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's surreal, first of all. It, I've never in my life and I still wake up to this day thinking like how is this possible but the internet decides what it likes I guess but it feels good it feels good knowing that people are enjoying my art above everything else and that's like another reason why I like making art just make people you know make make people smile and it's like a whole it's it's a whole thing like I get to get my frustrations or my my feelings into an art piece and then people get to enjoy it not knowing everything behind it but i don't know it's just pretty great it just feels good at the end of the day now on the other side of that i do want to ask you what it's like to have pretty much your entire personal brand tethered to a single piece of art you made do you feel boxed in ever do you worry about being perceived as like a one-hit wonder or anything because i know you've made other stuff even recently the uh yeah the ens alien ufo inspiration pixel art piece that you did was really cool it's funny i know a lot of people recognize Nyan cat and me behind it but like it's i've actually helped fuel a lot of other huge internet trends like throughout internet history i know back in the early 2000s like heavily influenced rage faces i'm not sure if you guys know that like just the reaction faces like i back with my comic that i was making a lot of those comics the faces that I was using ended up being like official rage faces and I still see them used today. So, so there's that. (laughs) And then there's, I don't know, like, I feel like I've always been in a really interesting place at the right time and whatever I do or whatever memes I make end up taking off. And there's a lot of my stuff that I see out there all the time. It's just so long ago when I made it, that it's difficult for me to be like, Oh yeah, I made that or whatever at this point. So I just kind of let things fly. But, but Yankat's like my baby, like, I've been through the best of times and the worst of times with it. So it's the one that like I ride and die with because I don't know, it's the one that's just the most special to me. Do you think there's a kind of a secret sauce? Cause I actually didn't know that you had created so many popular memes. So like the, I had never heard of the one that you had mentioned that sorry, the rage faces. So yeah, I'm wondering like, what is it? What makes it that special thing? It sounded like even when you're drawing the cat, that you had a feeling like, oh, okay, this is different. This is special. Do you have just a gut feeling when you make something that's going to go viral? Or do you feel like there's a bit of a secret sauce to it? I'm not really sure how to explain the feelings of it, but I will say that it is a lot of luck at the end because like I've made, I've, I'm constantly like dishing out memes left and right. Like I'll make silly reaction images to tweets like just constantly i'm constantly interacting with people sometimes those things take off in their own little paths which is so weird but i don't really know what the secret sauce is but i do know that if you try to force something that that kind of gets frowned upon because the internet loves to like they'll, they'll see something and they'll see you try to force something to happen and then they're like well i don't want any part of this so i think the best way to do something is just do it in a way that is relatable and funny or something interesting at least. And I think also keeping things short and concise are is really important. The less the better basically with them. So try to like snowball something that's funny, interesting, just quick, something that somebody can see and understand in less than 10 seconds. And obviously it's a luck of the draw at that point. But I think that helps get a little traction on something because if it's something that somebody can look at and instantly understand, they're more likely to share it with their friends and then their friends from there and so forth. I would say that's the closest understanding of the secret sauce that I can think of. But honestly, I don't even know. I don't, I don't like whenever I whenever I made Yancat, I had no clue that it would be end up the way it is right now i'm just as clueless as everybody else honestly 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's first and foremost, you don't have to worry about international language barriers because you aren't putting many words in any of these things. I mean, yeah, 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 doesn't really translate in other languages to anything else or need to be translated. It's just oh, it does actually. Really? Tell yeah. me. Nyan actually means meow in Japanese. There's like a whole like phonetics guide on how to different animals make different sounds depending oh, on what. Yeah, on your itch or whatever. And so like in America, people think that cats, when they make a noise, it sounds like meow. But in Japan, everybody associates that with nyan. So that that really is the truth of the name Nian Cat. If you translate it, it's just Meow Cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, yeah, there's other ways to say, I mean, you should look it up. There's a, I don't know the word for it, but if you Google up like ways cat, ways p- cats meow around the world, there's like a little graph that have like way different ways that you wouldn't look at and be like, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what Nian means really. <laughs> it just means meow. So, if I was going to go to, let's see, Bulgaria and look up Nian Cat, would I have to type in M-I-A-U? Meow? Cat? Possibly, I don't... possibly but really? I think, I, I'm not really sure. I've never searched the Bulgarian Nian Cat. But knowing Nian Cat's history just around the world, people love to make different like iterations of Nian Cat with different flags and different, I, I don't want to say stereotypes because that could be a little negative, but like, you know, different attributes of the culture. And I'm sure you could find a Bulgarian Nian Cat that could explain that a little better because I think there's one for every country in the world right now. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I want to take a beat. Espresso, I see you requested. Just so you know, the format of the show is going to interview. If you want to talk and ask questions, Chris, at the end, we'll open it up then. And for those of you who are just joining, I pinned a tweet. We are doing a 40F giveaway, or I'm sorry, $40, $40 ETH giveaway. 48, <laughs> Yeah, I don't got 40 ETH. I'm here like whining about losing 0.3, and then we're like, oh yeah, we're, we're giving away 40. 40. All you have to do is follow the three of us who are on stage right now and retweet the tweet, and then we'll do a Twitter picker giveaway at the end. And if you're here, we'll give it away. If not, we roll it over to next week. But yeah, it's incredible. So I have a degree in anthropology that you have these different versions of Nyanket around the world. Just, oh, do you feel pressure? Do you feel like, what, what, do you, what do you feel? What do you think about that? I mean, besides joy, I'm sure. And it sounds like gratitude, which is good. I'm glad yeah. that's the case. I mean, besides joy, I think as an artist, like I'm always just going to be my, my own worst enemy. And I think people that are close to me understand that because I'm just constantly like every single pixel that I, <clears throat> excuse me, every, every single pixel that I work on, I'm just like, is this right? Is this not right? Especially in Web3 when you meant something, you know, it's unless if you have the ways to change the metadata, I don't, it's stuck. So anytime that I like create a piece of art, I like not only triple check it, but I'm like trying to get my friends to like, just be like just look at it and make sure everything's okay 100 percent. so there's stress on the creation aspect of it just because i'm a pixel perfectionist if there's a phrase for it and if i ever look at something down the line that i've made and it's not exactly to my standards i'm just like so i just get upset i just get really frustrated with myself because i was like man i should have caught this sooner before i posted it really aside from that Aside from my own personal, like, demons, I love it. It's great just, like, knowing that not only, like, my artwork is great and enjoyed by people around the world, but, like, pixel art in general. Like, pixel art is, I don't even know how to explain it, but the process of creating it is, I call it, like, a math problem because not only do you have to get all the blocks to fit in right, but you have to loop it perfectly and that's like a whole nother layer of work that you have to do itself. But it's always an accomplishment whenever it's done right. And I'll say that. It really is something else, man. I've tried taking my swing at graphic design and editing images and stuff. And the amount of time even without pixels you spend, like, okay, this is exactly at 200 pixels. Okay. Now is the right side exactly at 200 pixels? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're good. Okay. Get the measuring tool out. Like <laughs> all the time. It's, it is a lot. It's truly a math problem. No, and I love how you mentioned that having that perfect loop, right? That's so important when I see a GIF or a GIF. Speaking of which, I'm curious, what do you call it? Do you call it a GIF or a GIF? This is a big one. All right, first of all, this discussion 
is I don't think there's ever going to be a true solution to this discussion. I will say personally for mo for mostly ever I've said GIF and I know the whole argument is so you wouldn't say GIFT or other ways of doing it, but I did a little deep dive recently and like the original creator of, of the file format stated that he wanted his file format to be GIF. So out of respect of somebody that revolutionized images that we know today, I've recently started saying GIF just because respect to a legend and OG person, my artwork wouldn't be my artwork if it wasn't for him. So I've recently adapted GIF as my way of saying GIF. I appreciate that little tidbit. I'm going to have to transition to the GIF now out of respect. It's not, yeah, it's not easy. And especially because like whenever you say either version of it somebody's gonna be like oh well let's let's argue about it for half an hour mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh so yeah but me personally i've just recently been starting to say jiff just just out of respect yeah it's like tradition <laughs> yeah i was wondering you so we talked a lot about memes right we're in web3 we're in crypto like there there's so much importance to memes especially in this realm and we're seeing real value being attached to the meme and it was incredible to see the neon cat suffer as much as it did and all the other memes that have been sold for ridiculous prices but beyond that like it has a real staying power in our hearts right and when we see these memes some of them are really just trendy they're here for a week or two or maybe even a day and then they're gone but then some of the other ones feel like pieces of art that will be hung up in a museum one day. And I, I actually feel that way about Neon Cat. I'm wondering, how do you find the value of a meme? Or what determines the way that these memes have such staying power compared to other ones that are just more trendy, for example? Yeah, that's such a good question because, hang on, I'm trying to process how to answer it. <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one for sure. Yeah, it's a tough one. No, no. So I think the value of the meme is how easily digestible they are like how quickly you can understand it laugh and you know enough for you to go hey i want to share this with my friends it's interesting in some way that my friends need to know about this and from there it enters this phase where if it's shared enough and is actually funny and flexible enough it could be transformed into a whole different meme again going back to the different nyancats around the world most of those nyancats were not nyancats that i created but if you search youtube for almost every country of nyancat out there there's somebody that has a video of a 20-hour mix with 700,000 views of a French Nancat that has a beret and a French bread body or something like that. You know, different ways to not only have a meme of your own, but it kind of turns into a template for others that people can use. And that's where it gets its value. The relatability and just the whole meme factor of it all. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's kind of the best answer I have for it. Oh, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's relatability. It's like this chart of relatability on one axis and you use flexibility, but the ability for someone to apply their own spin on it or whatever, if that's changing the flag on the neon cat, if that's adding text to the classic highway image where there's someone turning off the exit super fast. Like there, there's so many different ways and there's so many different websites. So you can just make these memes on the fly and you see brands do that a lot. I know like NFT God tweeted today about founders with making abilities having the ability to keep attention in web3 much longer than those that don't have the ability to do that and it's pretty wild how much this whole thing is just a game of attention and kind of a game of attrition too because eventually that attention fades people get bored yeah that's why the whole like transforming of a meme to something else is important it's funny i'm on tiktok a lot everybody has different ideas on tiktok but i'm on it all the time and there's a meme on there right now that's one of the hottest memes called taste the biscuit and if oh you don't know i have that one okay, ready to yeah. go i have you it ready to go one. yes that one. Oh, you have it like the song ready to go i think you should play it for a second <laughs> oh no no i have a tweet that i can pin but actually yeah i can play it i haven't done this before this is gonna be amazing i think oh. everybody needs to know about taste the biscuit have just like ready. the last like 30 seconds or what I mean, just like five seconds, and then I'll explain my point. But yeah, I think, I think it's I don't like the way it tastes on my chicken wings. 
Take us out, Moose. Taste the biscuit. <laughs> I think the funniest part is actually the beginning. But yeah, that's the one. That Pin it up to the top. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you. So my point was, what was my point? That meme has transformed into a whole new culture of its own. It's It started as a, I want, I want to say it was like a YouTube video. It's like an hour long on YouTube of, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched the movie yet, but it's about two people that are just trying to like get gigs at places and they're not doing this so great i don't know all the details but that song has transformed from like that song to a whole new genre of memes on tiktok where it's it's <laughs> i'm not sure if you've seen the lady walking on the beach like fully in silver uh, <laughs> and oh that's the hot one right now and just like many different word versions like that song is being used in very many different mediums. And I feel like that's like the recipe of a breakout meme. Like, I don't think they were expecting to be a big deal whenever they first released that movie. And I think they're still like shocked at how crazy it's being right now on TikTok. But that's just how it is. People love to take source material, remix it on their own, and then make something new. And you know, for example, for Takes Biscuit, it's turned into the hottest thing on TikTok right now. So it's just stuff like that, like really random occurrences that kind of are flexible enough to be turned into like other scenarios and other fun things. This movie was released in 2010, 12 years ago. And now it's having this shining moment. It's very much from what I understand, I dug into a little bit. It's like a kind of flight of the Concords, dry comedy, but it seems to be in America, could be Canada, not really sure. But it's something else. I'm really, I actually watch Ridiculous Movies with Friends on Discord on Saturday nights, and I really want to get this one in the lineup because it just, it's right up our alley. We just riff on it the whole time, very Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. We're all just sitting around eating snacks from our very own kitchen and <laughs> watching movie. It's so good. I missed this last Saturday, but I'm sure it was wonderful. I love mystery science theater like scenarios where bring wine into the equation and you can just get silly and just make fun of stuff. And that's what I plan on doing with this movie eventually. Like just it's on my like queue of things to watch because that video is so iconic now at this point. And I'm just like, I need to know the source material as a meme connoisseur. I need to like know the backgrounds and stuff. But I'm actually like I've actually started talking to the creator of that meme. And he's he's pretty cool. He's like the mu musician guy that plays the piano. This um, Tom Shaw he, person his name like tyler hollywood i think is his name i don't know for sure but but he's just as shocked as everybody else that his music is taken off as the way it is taste, taste the biscuit. biscuit it's so cool to have this modern analysis of memes because humans have been making memes forever i think cave paintings sync the we want you america recruiting poster these are all things that have accumulated over time and eventually they become a culture and it's wild what we're building. The internet's only been around for, in a meaningful way to the public for what, 16 years? Maybe, well, definitely like right around 20, probably. So yeah, back to that anthropology lens. It's just fascinating to watch the building blocks get made. I'm trying to think of like when I joined the internet. I know it was at least 1998-ish. Back with AOL 3.0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had dial-up too back then. Yeah, dial-up. Oh, man, kids today will never understand the struggle. But I don't Kids these days. Kids these days, yeah. I don't want to get into that, though. That's a whole nother discussion. But yeah, memes have existed way before the internet. And I want to say it goes back to even like before Egyptian days, like cave paintings. You see a cave painting, it's being shared. The moment you see it, it's technically a meme because it's something that was made, put somewhere... And now it's in a museum and now it's everybody around the world gets to see it. Memes are like staple of human evolution. And it's, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it's just something that can be remembered for forever, depending on whatever the meme is. And I also think NFTs in a way are a meme of their own because you have to have something good and you have to share it to a friend and then they have to share it to their friends. And then that's how you get a community. So like I, NFTs and memes honestly do go hand in hand. I just don't think people realize that enough. I was actually watching an interview the other day and I saw that they, this man, Richard Dawkins, created the word or coined the word meme. And he said it as like a, as a 
virus almost because it's contagious and everyone's spreading it and it takes a life of its own. You could upon that in your own way by saying that the meme needs to have a bit of a template, right? So that people could customize it and rework it. Now, we've talked a little bit about the TikTok memes, and I think TikTok has a really amazing way of finding these old songs or different pieces of content and then reviving them in their own weird way. And like you're saying in, in Web3 or crypto NFTs, the NFTs in their own right are kind of a meme. And that's usually what helps make a collection, I think, popular was the meme ability in many ways. I think we saw that with Pudgy Penguins way back in the day. What is the difference between a kind of mainstream meme, a cave painting meme, and a Web3 meme to you? I don't know. That's a really good question. I, although I will say I have noticed that NFTs, while they're kind of memes on their own, they're more based around community. And whenever they're trying to use like actual, like the actual definition of memes, they like to paste their own project on top of existing memes. Now, obviously that can be good or bad depending on whatever's being done. I haven't haven't really seen in in terms of like trending memes that can break out of the web three and get into the minds of the web two. I haven't seen too many of those, if I'll be frank on that. But I don't know. I'm hoping that'll happen because like people need to understand that web three is its own bubble in a way. And you can dish out as many memes as you want, but unless the people out on the outside don't understand it then you know they're gonna have trouble getting into the system i guess that's there's so much jargon and so much gatekeeping in web3 i know even a wallet setting that up and a seed phrase and all this stuff is it's bad ux right to onboard people there's so many barriers and if the memes aren't catching on across that barrier across that chasm yeah that's a way that we could onboard more people is just being more open, more transparent, back to what you said earlier, because yeah, authenticity, transparency, those are like the pillars of my life, I think, at least in how I select people and how I keep them around and how close they get to me. I believe that as well, because, you know, Web3 is full of scams. And unfortunately, it's one of those scenarios where people people, people have been saying lately, you haven't really truly experienced Web3 unless you've been rugged and it's true, but I hate to say, Oh, I hate it so much. I I hate hate it so much. It is true. (laughs) And it sucks. It sucks. It does. But I did hear some, I'm hoping it's good news. Google is now starting to adopt cryptos. So hopefully they don't, don't get too shady with it. Things get good or more mainstream in general. So I'm hopeful, but I guess it's one of those things. You just have to see how it goes in, in the future of things. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, you can now type your wallet address into Google and it will tell you how much ETH you have. It's pretty wild. It's, it is pretty wild. It's funny because people, I was reading a thread about it and people were saying like, I don't, un- like people don't know how to do, put their wallets in Etherscan. I'm like, it's almost the same thing. It's just, you just have to go to Etherscan and put the wallet in. But it's now more, it's a more easy way for somebody that doesn't know crypto to do it you just pop it into google search and now you got something you don't have to visit etherscan and try to understand all the numbers that come up whenever you type that number in i know when i started like reading etherscan i had no clue what was going on and it took practice to learn it but on the outsiders people don't want that people want a big button that says buy sell like as easy as possible and hopefully that kind of helps pave the way to an easier UI for everybody to enter the crypto world. At least I'm hoping. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, Etherscan at the beginning was definitely a bit of a nightmare for me. But if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, I feel that's important. We have to learn. And yeah, the whole rugging thing sucks. Hopefully it won't be the cost of admission in the future. But it's definitely where we're at now. And I guess that's the price that you pay for being quote unquote early, right? What does the future of NFTs look like for you? We've touched upon Google integrating it more and you think maybe it'll be a little bit safer or at least we all hope it will be. But do you have any other insights or forecasts for what we're looking at? It's really difficult to gauge the entire space into one summary because everybody has their own ticket on this train and everybody's going to get off on their own stop. It's really difficult to summarize how the NFTs will work. But I'm hoping for a better future of 
connectivity in terms of utility. Like the Niancat collection, for example, it has ways where you can be avatars in different games right now. So if you own a Niancat, you can be in three different metaverses and have Niancat pop up and play with you. So I'm hoping for more of that. But for example, let's say a huge game enters the space that offers NFTs as weapons or skins. Let's just say it's something like Fortnite. I'm hoping for more of that where you can own the asset and then be able to sell the asset in the future. Right now, most of the games are very centralized in a way where if the server shuts off tomorrow, you've lost this item that you've worked really hard to grind for. I'm hoping that there's a future where if the game ever shuts down, you could use the sword in another game. You don't lose it. And then the sword or whatever item you have gains its own lore along the way and becomes more valuable to the consumer. And on top of that, I'm hoping more projects also adapt that stuff. There's a lot of blue chip projects that haven't really utilized that kind of stuff. Like they're just PFPs and they're going for hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they're just sitting there not doing anything. So I'm hoping that those people with all the money they're making can give back to not just the community, but to the owners to offer actual cool things like perks to events or prizes or stuff like that. Just more utility, I guess. Obviously, I'm always going to say art is the true utility, but that always depends on the person that makes the art. So it's hard to gauge a true definition of it all because everybody's different out here. And it depends on the perception of the collectors of the art too, right? Because even if you intend one thing to be meant by it, it's going to be perceived a million different ways. But I want to go back to that Fortnite comment because that is the one that we're all waiting on. We're waiting on Fortnite to come in and integrate NFTs. I had COVID about a month ago and I started playing Fortnite again and it just screams. It just screams for it. Ugh. And yeah, I've played so many video games throughout my life. I remember deleting a friend's save file by accident in Baldur's Gate. He had spent hundreds of hours and I, I didn't know how to save the game and I accidentally saved a new game over his. He chased me around the yard for an hour, pissed off at me. And at least I have to assume something with NFTs integrated into it would be able to save that stuff because he put that real world time into this digital game and lost it all because of dumb teenage me who didn't know how to save his game right. And it's so weird. It's so weird. But I do think that's a mutable situation. It will come sooner or later and i don't think they're even going to advertise it as nfts which is fine by me oh absolutely i know that epic games isn't aren't they the people that do fortnite they are they also do fall guys too fall guys yeah i'm huge into fall guys i want to say that epic games is interested in blockchain tech so that's always really awesome because their games are fun and i play fall guys almost every single day it's crazy but yeah like some way where you don't lose the assets you can resell the assets you put your money into this game you don't, you know, you get something back out of it in the future. I know I used to play this mobile game, this Final Fantasy mobile game. And I spent like hundreds of dollars throughout the four or five years that I played it. But the day I quit playing was the day that like my Facebook account decided to unlink from the game. And I lost everything. I lost all my progress from these past four years. And then the tech support was just like, oh, well, tough, tough luck. Like, that's it. You know, <laughs> so I was like, well, screw you guys. But I'm hoping that changes because it's the technology is there. Like I already see it happening. All it takes is just one right company, one right gaming studio, one one proper way of doing it to make people understand that, oh, this is not just a picture of a silly animal wearing a hat. Like now you can do things with it. And on top of that, I do know that Reddit is actually doing it. I want to say they're doing it almost the right way, they're pretty good on it. They recently also released an NFT collection or several NFT collections, but they're not calling it NFTs. They're calling it digital collectibles. And people, it's funny, Reddit, Reddit notoriously does not like NFTs. I'm not sure if anybody knows that, but if you go on Reddit, find any thread about NFTs, it's a huge slam in some way and everybody's just talking crap about NFTs in some way. But then, but then Reddit came out with these Reddit avatars and they're 100% NFTs. Like they're on the Polygon network. You could originally buy them for, for USD. Like you can buy them on the app, 
they're all sold out now. But people are like, oh, I love these Reddit avatars. They're so amazing. But it's because they don't say the word NFT on it. So I think in the future, we're going to see a way where people are going to disguise NFTs as digital collectibles. And I think that will get more mainstream adoption because people already have a bad connotation to the word NFTs just because of the whole everything. But uh, <laughs> but digital collectibles, so that's more enticing. So I think the first company that can release something that can be usable in a way that's just not just a silly picture, but also as a digital collectible where you can join with like a credit card or just an easy payment, not having to set up a huge wallet situation and be able to tra- trade and sell from there. I feel like that will start getting the actual true adoption because again people out here we all have like 10 second memory spans and we just want to buy something we don't want to set up a wallet we don't want to transfer things worry about everything included with it we just want to buy this silly picture of this animal whatever company does that right the first time that's going to be the big catalyst i think i always wonder and I agree with you, but I always wonder if we're just tricking ourselves with hopium. <laughs> just just a little voice in the back of my head, like, ah, God, I hope this is really how it's going to play out. Because I'm confident that it will too, but who knows? It's all up in the I, air. I mean, I'm all on that hopium train as well, but I'm also like realistic on it. But the fact is, there's just a lot of new projects. A lot of them like pop up every day. And then everybody's like, you got to buy this right now because it's going to be the hottest new thing. But like when you have a hundred of these things launching every single day, that really dilutes the interest in some way. It becomes difficult to try to pin things down on what actually is a good investment in the space. And then on top of that, you have all the pump, pump and dumpers, the developers that are doing these quote unquote freemints and they're minting like 40% of the collection to themselves and they're trying to trick people into buying them. It's a big mess. It's a big mess in the space, but it's one of those things like the cream will rise to the top and the good communities will eventually come out on top. But it just sucks to see it along the way that there's a lot of people being attacked and taken advantage of. And then those people, they'll go to their friends and say, oh, I bought this thing for a hundred bucks and now it's worth zero. So it's a scam. So I think the sooner that we can understand that there's these things in place, there will be more trust in play. And then from there, things can build from there. Yeah, or I just bought something and apparently it's stolen. This is a scam. I'm calling it now. NFTs are a scam. You heard it there here you first. Go. Yes, and if all NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but you know what? I like what you said too about having them be hidden. And that's something that we're seeing Starbucks do as well. They're calling these things journey stamps. And even though it's on Polygon, most people probably won't know it. I think having digital assets that you actually can own is really important and we're going to see a lot more of that in the years to come but maybe there's going to be a bit of rebranding you know and like you said we've already seen it on reddit so yeah i think i think that could be a bit of what the future looks like i'd like to open up a question to you and even the audience if anyone wants to come up and say hi maybe ask a question as well but what's uh, what's your favorite meme do you have one my favorite meme i'm not meme cat not yeah, not I already got an answer for this. I always think back to the early 90s with um, Hamster Dance. That actually was my eye-opening experience to memes. That was actually like my first big true meme to just get totally hooked on. It was stuck in my head for months. It's still in my mind to this day. It was like a website with these hamsters that were just spinning around or dancing to the tune of an old Disney song that was kind of sped up. There it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's the techno remix. Well, here we go. Did you ever go on a... Homestar Runner? <laughs> and the energy. Seeing people clap along. Let's go. I I constantly think that was Nyan Cat before Nyan Cat. So that okay. is like the true OG addictive GIF meme of just silly animals being silly. So yeah, that's the one that's my favorite meme because that's the one that changed my life. I wouldn't be here if I didn't see that one, honestly. Yeah, you could definitely see it. Hey, we, uh, we let up a couple listeners. Do, could we get them to ask a couple questions, Chris? You cool with that? No, let's kick them all out. I was kidding. Ah, What's up, guys? There we go. Ban all. (laughs) Yo, Espresso, we got you 
you were in queue for a little while. How's it going? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for bringing me up. And then, Ken, I'm a huge fan, bro. I love your stuff. I just had a quick question, both generally and in, in regards to your own work. What are your thoughts on the CCO movement? I know we've seen it pick up some steam recently. I'm wondering how you think about that standard when it comes to your own work and then just generally when it comes to memes. Oh, I love the CCO movement. Uh, for those that don't know, I've actually worked closely with the cryptos. By the way, I see some cryptos in the crowds. What's up, SL? Yeah, I'm really big on that. And actually launched, I helped launch another project earlier this, well, last year called GI Toads, which is like the cryptos with a GI Joe element to them. And it's like a big pop culture phenomenon thing with lots of really great artists. Definitely check that out. But yeah, I've dipped my toes into CCO. I love CCO. Just the fact that you can take something and then that's the template on its own. And then you can build from there. In terms of my own work, like I, I always consider Nancat my baby. I've been through like the worst of times and the best of times with it. So I am a little more protective of it just because it's become a brand. I'm hoping to turn it into something like Hello Kitty in the future. And one of the big things that people don't like to think about is that anybody trying to merchandise off your artwork, they find it difficult to work with CCO products. So with the Ancat, it's my baby. I'm always going to be very protective of it. But I've definitely dived into the CCO world. I've released an awesome project. And I'm always reading on like CCO people. I think the coolest builders in the space are the ones that are into CCO because they're the ones constantly building really cool stuff. It's a great question. Thanks for coming up and asking that espresso. Harsh, how's it going? GM, GM. GM, GM from India. And although it's midnight in India, but I really want to tell Chris I'm a huge fan of your work and <laughs> I don't know, I'm speechless right now. And I just wake up for talking with you because, you know, 16 months ago, one of my friends who introduced me with this NFT thing, he told me about your neon cat. And <laughs> I was wondering when I'm going to talk with you. So yeah, my dream comes to man. Nice to meet you. And yeah, I have no question. I just want to say that. That's why I wake up in the midnight. Yeah. I love it, man. No, thank you so much. And yeah, Niancat has the power to change minds in some kind of crazy way. So thank you so much. It's just it's so, so awesome to know people enjoy my work like that. That's really sweet. Thanks for coming up, Harsh. That's one of my favorite parts about these Twitter spaces is the ability to just interact with so many wonderful people and to learn from them and then come say hi or ask a question. It's quite special. And you get to deal with some bots while you're not on spaces. That's the fun of Twitter. But Chris, I think we're going to come up to the end here. We have to ask you our famous last question. And that is, what's your favorite breakfast food? French toast. Absolutely. I always order French toast at whatever restaurant I go to for breakfast, even though sometimes it's all French toast and then no bacon, which I also love bacon. But French toast has to be my definite answer. Yet another original breakfast choice. It is, we're going on almost 40 shows, and I think we've had one duplicate, maybe, and that's no breakfast, which doesn't even count. Wait, Forrest, how do you have no breakfast? Forrest is a no breakfast person. Ask him. I just like it. You know, I rip into the day. I'm ready, having fun, have a little coffee or tea or mate. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely a no breakfast kind of guy. Do love breakfast say, food, though. I gotta say. So I that's, would say coffee. I would say coffee is technically considered a breakfast item. Is it really? Like I, I don't know. I have black coffee, so it's zero calories. I guess. Like, I feel like breakfast must have to have some calories in it. No, I also like black coffee too. But I don't know. Like anytime you see a picture of a breakfast platter, there's always a coffee cup on the side. So maybe that's a challenge there. Maybe coffee technically is a breakfast item. All right. Maybe I do have breakfast now. Jay Rizzo, I'll bring you up. See you request him. No, you just you just toying with me? I tried. And you went back down. <laughs> oh, you're back again. Here we go. Hey. You're up. So guys, Chris, You're live. always a pleasure hearing you speak, man. And I just want to say it's just 
always awesome. I got to say this while you're up here, but it is true, man. You're not Pat. Like when I first got into this space and I heard about you prior to me actually coming into the NFTs, but yeah, that cat is magical. It does change lives, man. I just got to say that I'm out here drawing cats now. And this year I started finding all these kittens too. It's a crazy, crazy story, but just got to give you that, man, because I think your art is magic. Memes are magic. And like I said before, it's just amazing hearing you speak and being so humble in these spaces, man. It's, it's awesome. I love that. And dude, man, I think cats are like the mascot of the internet, like just cats in general. I think anything, anybody building anything off of cats, like you're going to have instant relatability. So like, I do want to check out whatever cats you're drawing too. Cause like, I, Oh yeah. That's my pen tweet. I put it out for portfolio days. My first little portfolio tweet. I was like, I don't know if I should do this, but went for the cats. So that's what I chose. Nice. Let's go. Yeah. I see them. Some cool stuff, man. I love it. I love the cat art. Like cat art is always resonating with me and in every kind of way <laughs> i just pinned your tweet to the top rizzo it does look really good i dropped the phone when you gave my art a compliment my bad thanks guys i appreciate it <laughs> it's all good it's all good hey, rizzo, some people are a little bashful you. i thought maybe that was you anyways thank you so much chris we really appreciate you and appreciate everyone else in the audience sending lots of love and neon cats your way Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Like, I, I know my history is all over the place, but it's always great to share what's going on and just like talk to other everybody else as well. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, super happy to have you. It's truly a dream to have talked to you. I know that some of these people who've come up have said the same thing. And it's, Taste the biscuit. It's dope. But here we go. Taste the goodness Plan of the biscuit. Take care, everybody. Taste the, the honey the sauce. Taste the goodness of the biscuit with the honey sauce. To get that honey sauce on me. I don't like the way it tastes with my chicken wings. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste the butter spread. Taste the goodness of the biscuit with the butter spread. To get your butter spread all on me. I don't like the way it mixes with my mac and cheese. Cause when you're at KFC, you got that special sauce to stir my curiosity. <laughs> Just give me a five-piece meal. Oh, what a deal. A big old box, it's all for me. You know, I'll take coleslaw on the side. I could tell you wanted to try the potato wedges. It's like you gotta stay for the whole song. I know. Yeah, this is like the, the, the movie mix. Biscuit, taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste the honey sauce, taste the goodness of the biscuit with the honey sauce. Get your honey sauce on me. I don't like the way it mixes with my chicken wings. I'm starting to pick it up. Get Looks none of that honey pour. sauce on me. <laughs> I don't like the way it tastes on my chicken wings. Take us out, Moose. Take the biscuit. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Have a great week. Thanks for listening to episode three of Squat Space. If you liked what you heard, check the episode description to find links for Chris's Twitter and the Neon Cat collection on OpenSea. Don't forget, you can join us live on Tuesdays in our Twitter spaces. So tune in next time to keep learning about Web3 together. <laughs>